Owning your own home has its advantages when you need to draw on your home's equity. And UK Federal Credit Union is now offering a fixed home equity loan with rates as low as 2.74% APR. Whether you're fixing the roof, making home improvements, or you need extra funds to send your child to college, a home equity loan with UK Federal Credit Union can help. UK Federal Credit Union is banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 78 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and I am pretending to be happy right now. Uh, I'm joined by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, who I hope is doing the same thing. Sean, how are you? Well, someone told us to not hold back and tell us how we really feel, uh, Jack, so... Pretty, pretty pathetic is how I feel watching that. Whether you're a Kentucky fan or just someone who enjoys basketball, this team is not fun to watch on the offensive end of the floor at all. The offensive end, defensive end, on the bench, uh, you know, coaching staff from top to bottom, none of it's enjoyable to watch. The whole thing is a big old uh, gross mess right now, and I don't know how in the world they're going to get out of it. Um, the final score – at Auburn, um, Auburn wins 66-59. Let's just see. Kentucky shoots on the day uh, 40% overall, 23% from three, 18 turnovers, only seven assists. Um, I mean, the, the, t- Sean, tell me what – tell me – give me a reason to be optimistic right now. Anything. Find me any positive takeaway from this game. Optimistic for this year or next year? Oh, I, Whatever, whatever will make me feel better about this because right now well, I just no. There's there's no optimism for this year, and the only reason I tell you that is because yes, these guys have a lot of these guys have failed at times. They've they've struggled, but I also tell you this: John Calipari's fell on this team as well. This team is losing basketball games games because they're not as talented as they have been in years past, but they're also losing basketball games like today because their head coach is failing them. This was an total meltdown disaster by John Calipari today. I have no idea how he is trying to manage this, this lineup. We got to get away from the whole, I'm going to play who's fighting. I'm going to play who's earned it because that's clearly not what's happening. Because if that's the case, Dante Allen, Jacob Toppin would have been in there to start the second half today, given that they were the two best players in the first half. It just doesn't make any sense. John Calipari is going to keep rolling with BJ Boston, keep forcing it. At some point, he has to do what is best for the Kentucky basketball team. That's why he gets paid more than $9 million. Right now, he's not doing it, Jack. Um, so on that note, his exact quote was, so somebody – there were two different questions. Somebody asked about why Dante Allen didn't get more playing time in the second half after leading the team in points. Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin led the team with eight points going into the second half. 
Do, uh, Jacob Toppin got in about four and a half, five minutes into the second half. Dante didn't get in until almost seven minutes um, to go in the second half or, or into the second half. Um, and some, so the the his reasoning behind Dante not playing, he says, at the end of the day, we were running stuff for Dante, and he wouldn't shoot the ball. That's why I took him out that one time. Uh, we ran two things for him, and he had shots, and he wouldn't take them. And I'm like, look, you're in there to make shots. That's one thing. But, look, Dante wasn't the issue. Okay. Um, and then somebody else asked, I believe it was Michael Bennett, says, um, so, hey, Cal, your two leading scorers are Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin. You refuse to start them in the second half. What's your reasoning behind it? And uh, and this is the, the quote that broke the Internet. He says, well, you know one of those the things we talked about, do we Lance Ware too? How about throwing Lance in there? What you're trying to do is I'm not trying to – I want to win every game I coach, but the other side of it is I'm not trying to take anybody's heart away. So you can sub them when, you know, three, four minutes and go. So I'm not trying to take anybody's heart away, Sean. That is – Underline exclamation point, uh, basically saying I don't want I don't want BJ Boston to lose confidence in his abilities. I don't want Olivier Saar to lose his abilities um, because those were the two players that Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin were in for at that given time. And um, apparently, he cares more about the heart and confidence of his um, his lead guys than the guys on his bench because you know, Mister players first you know always going to do what's best for the players and what's best for the team he practically shut down things for a week with Cameron Fletcher situation and said we're going to be doing things that that puts this team first and we're all about that um and then just turns right back around and and uh um basically says yeah we we don't want to take anybody's heart away you know that that's starting and, and leading the leading the team in minutes and at the top of at the top of the rotation um but yeah forget the guys at the bottom of the rotation because you know <laughs> screw them right maybe john calipari needs to be sent home a week to get his priorities in order too i mean that's that's kind of the point i'm at with this as well no i mean here's the thing jack cal deserves he's he's done enough to have the benefit of the doubt that we kind of want to see what changes the rest of the season and next year but also, I'm to the point that I'm not making any excuses for him anymore. John Calipari has done a lot of good at Kentucky. Right now, there's not a lot a lot of good going in this program. And, I mean, I get it. He's trying to force B.J. Boston into a role, coming out of the slump, because he doesn't want to walk in a five-star recruit's home in front of when all that resumes and have to explain why it didn't work out with B.J. Boston at Kentucky. I get it. But at some point, you're the head coach at Kentucky, and it has to be become about the collective team. And right now, I have a feeling it's not about the collective team. And that that's a problem. Why, Like Bruiser Flint, two weeks ago, you and I were at Starkville. He was all about the collective team that night. It was about winning a basketball game. They played the guys who were playing their best. Kentucky got to a point in the second half today, Jack, where there were too many guys on the floor who weren't playing well, and it killed them. They could not overcome that. The push at the end, they tried. It wasn't enough. This The margin for error is too thin for Cal to keep giving guys the leash that he's giving them, and it, it's killing Kentucky right now. I mean, it, like I said, it's both ways. Guys aren't performing, but at the same time, you have to put these guys in a situation to be successful, and right now I just don't feel like that's the case. I mean, good Lord, the, the selective criticism and, and just how he handles different situations with different people is just so unbelievably upsetting and frustrating. I mean, just his rotations and lineups, you know, Cal keeps 
as we've seen the last couple games, he keeps trying to force feed the the post and trying to make things work, and you know, you know, just just hoping that at some point things start start sticking. You know, square peg round hole, just over and over again, thinking that at some point that system's going to work. He even goes three bigs. He goes Jacob Toppin, Isaiah Jackson, and Olivier Saar. And Jacob Toppin's been playing his butt off, but he's not a three. He has never been a three. Well, he he's basically trying just throwing crap up against the wall and hoping something sticks but but not even things that that he would even remotely think would work like why after seeing what happened against Alabama an almost identical not identical t- team but the same up tempo fast style of play takes a, a million threes a game though that type of team we just saw 4 days ago that that didn't work against Alabama and you you overcompensate against Auburn with adding a third big to the lineup and basically say we're gonna we're well, gonna outlength you and outsize you out out the lineup. Well, how'd that work for you? Well, what happened to the whole thing about I can't hide you here, I can't hide you at Kentucky. I mean, yeah. right now, like BJ Boston has actually been put out there, Jack, and every single person in the state of Kentucky knows it's not a good idea. But John Calipari, mm-hmm. and that that's the thing that doesn't make sense. He's out there at the most critical times in the game. And I'm not laying it all on B.J. Boston. No. Olivier Saar has not been good. No. I mean, multiple guys down this roster haven't been good, but it feels like it's forced the most with B.J. And honestly, I feel like Cal is kind of doing him a disservice putting him out there as much as he is right now because the kids, it's just not clicking for him. It's not getting any better. Still shooting well under 17% from the free from the three-point line, and I think still under 35 36% from the field this season. It's not getting better. Other guys on the roster are getting better, and they're still not playing as much. And then it comes back to this, too. In that quote, when he was talking about why Dante Allen didn't play as much in the second half, he mentioned that they were going right at him defensively. At what point in this game was Kentucky's defense a problem? No. They scored 59 points. Auburn scored 66. Dante Allen needed to be on the floor to score baskets. It was Kentucky's offense that lost the game for him, Jack, not the defense. And I would argue that Dante there were only, there were two two times I think that it caught my attention that Dante had given up that that particular basket. But you could say the exact same thing about uh, see I I'm just so confused at what point did taking bad shots and putting up ugly you, you know basically wasted wasted possessions on offense, whether it be turning the ball over charges uh, or just taking horrendous shots that basically turns into a turnover. At what point did 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 bad defense or giving up a basket on the other end become any different than a bad shot or a turnover or a charge on, on the other end? Because it, it's very clear that Cal – somebody said, said it best – um, 80% of what Dante Allen does on the floor is good for Kentucky, positive for Kentucky. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the, I think 80% of the time Dante Allen does the right thing. He makes the right reads. He takes the right shots. And, and Cal's excuse of, we well, ran plays for him, he just wouldn't shoot the ball. Uh, I, I, I knew there were – there, there was one or two of those opportunities that he, he probably could, I think it was just one shot that I thought, oh, yeah, you probably, he probably should have let that one go. But the, the other one that I'm pretty certain he was talking about, there was somebody closing in on him rather quickly, and he pump faked, drove in a little bit, and tried to find the open pass, and, and he did make the correct pass. So at what point does he value – well, he doesn't shoot it whenever I ask him to, and he gives up just a couple more, uh, you know, opportunities on the defensive end of the floor. Why is that more 
harmful for the team than bad shots, turnovers, and charges. I, I, well, that's that's what's confusing me right now. Why 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 are these priorities so mixed up? There there were two guys on the team today that didn't have a turnover. One of them was Dante Allen, and the other one was Isaiah Jackson. And Isaiah Jackson, because he only played 11 minutes. Okay, let's go there. Why the hell did Isaiah Jackson not play more? He didn't play basically at yeah. all in the second half. Where the hell and was he? he? Committed, and it wasn't foul trouble. He committed zero fouls. Oh, my gosh, Sean. I, it's, it's just it's mind-blowing, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I still think right now my five that I would roll with I would go ask you and Mintz because let's, let's, I mean, we're going to get into Devin ask you and what he did at the end of the game. I thought he showed a lot of growth there in the final two to three minutes and almost single-handedly pulled Kentucky uh, within a win. Uh, Mintz, Dante Allen. I love Jacob Toppin and his effort. You got to keep that on the floor. And I like as Isaiah Jackson. And then you throw Keon Brooks into that mix as well. That's, I feel like those are six guys that have got to be playing the bulk of the minutes, especially when it's critical times in games. Because right now, the other guys, are it's they're going to fail you. B.J. Boston with five turnovers today, and a lot of them in a crucial stretch right there where Auburn went on their run. And when, when a team goes up seven, eight points on Kentucky with seven minutes to play, you might as well say it feels like 20 points. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one in transition where it was – did the ASCU turnover – it was basically the same turnover twice in a row. W- which one came first? Was it ASCU or Boston? I can't remember. What, what, I want to think. Whatever the case was, one of them it was it, one of them happened, and then it like just two possessions later is the exact same turnover. Driving down, you know, trying to push the ball ahead in transition instead of just taking the ball on on their on their own, trying to force feed somebody else and saying, oh, you know, you do something with it, and then turning the ball over. It, it just I, I'm I've never been so confused watching a game in my life, and, and it was. I genuinely think it started up top with Calipari's just the rotations are horrible. The lineups are bad, and they make no sense whatsoever. The substitutions, it feels like Cal has no rhyme or reason whatsoever for his substitutions. Half the time it feels like, oh, hey, yeah, this player's just starting to get hot. Okay, yeah, let's let's pull him. He He needs a break. It's just like, you know, Dante doesn't play him for the first seven minutes. He gets in for 30 seconds and gets pulled, then gets put back in for another two minutes and then gets pulled again. It's like, how do you, as a basketball player, develop any level of consistency and confidence in your shit? It's the same thing that we said er, to start the season with Dante. He would get in for a minute and a half and feel like, oh, oh, crap, okay, I got to do something with the ball in my hands because I know that Cal's about to pull me. When you have that short of a leash, you don't you're not going to make plays. You're going to be overthink things, and you're going to you're going to take bad shots or not take shots when Cal wants you to because he thinks, well, if I miss one shot, Cal's going to pull me. There's there's just such a broken mindset with this team right now, and who's getting what minutes and who's getting longer leashes than others, and it's favoritism. And I sent out this tweet, and I'm writing a column right now about it. That um, it's I'm worried that I'm I'm venting too much, and but but. I think it needs to be said. Cal stresses the player's first approach all day, every day, and he does. He he has his players' backs more often than not, almost almost all the time. He is he is all about players first and in that mindset, and it's true. But a lot of times he said, you know, he says that as a 
um, you know, as a coaching style and how he's he's going about his you know in-game adjustment adjustments and all that. And it, it's not true unless you're a five-star, top ten, you know, top twenty level kid because. I mean, think of Devin Askew. When Devin Askew went through his struggles to start the year, and he was a, a friend, you know, high four-star, low five-star, you know, top 25, top 30-ish player, depending on which recruiting service you look at. When he went through his struggles early in the year, Cal said, you know, it, it, we need to bench you for a little while. We'll let you adjust, and then we'll get you back in there. And look at how that how that growth has happened. BJ Boston has had the longest leash on this team and and he never has to look over his shoulder at all. The, the, the only he's time he's had the longest leash in the UK basketball program. Yeah, by by far. And and the only times we really saw that leash get shortened was when Bruiser Flint took over, and it was Dante Allen that got the uh, the the end of game situation. Think of if Cal doesn't get ejected, do we even see Dante Allen? The, to the extent of what we have since then, is is that the only reason why Dante has become such a, you know, we, he needs to get in the game. Where's Dante? Where's Dante? Why is he not getting shots up? I, is that is Cal's ejection the only reason why we have gotten this development? I mean, I'm starting to think so because before that happened, Dante hadn't gone off like he did. Uh, in Starkville, so all a lot of Dante's success had come after uh, Calipari was tossed. But you know, we go back to this whole Calipari comment saying he doesn't want to take someone's heart away. What's he doing to these guys who are playing well when he continues to go with guys who aren't performing? I mean, BJ Boston, you mentioned it. Devin Askew kind of he lost the point guard role there early in the season. He lost his starting role, came off the bench, he got it figured out. BJ Boston starting every single game, Jack. Yeah, and there's statistics do not back up why he's still starting. It it does not make sense to me why he keeps starting him. Like I, what at this this is Kentucky, at Kentucky we've heard it for twelve years. We've we've been fed this by Cal that you can't hide people here. You 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 come here and you know you, you have to perform on this stage and all this. At what point do we try the other side of this and make him come off the bench and fight for everything he gets? It, because it worked for Devin Askew. Yeah, and and it will make him find an appreciation for his time on the floor and be and his shot selection has has improved and he is still missing wide open shots and that's something I mean I do not want to give up on BJ Boston because I'm still not I I have seen with my own two eyes Sean you have too you have seen the best of BJ Boston him alongside Sharif Cooper. Who and that's kind of was my thinking. I thought going into this game, if there was one game for BJ to kind of take to another level, it would be this one. His longtime friend, you know, longtime teammate. They were they had such a great connection. They I knew they would be going heads up against one another, and he is that type of competitive spirit that that he would take that take that challenge head on and, and embrace it. And I thought that in and when he hit, he had that jab step you know, that jab step fake pull from three feet beyond the three-point line, and he drilled it. I was like, okay, is that is that, is that what he needs? And then he had another good drive, and, and he couldn't finish it. And, and from there, I don't think we got another good real, uh, another real solid look for the rest of the game. But I really want what's best for B.J. Boston. I want him to be the player we all hyped him up to be, what we all thought he could be, what the staff thought what the staff thought he was going to be when they signed him, uh, what they saw in him this summer. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want him 
it's not like we're actively rooting against him and want him to fail and say, Dante Allen, we want the Kentucky boy in there just because. Like, no, we want – the only reason why we're – why we're saying this stuff is because the proof is in the pudding. Dante Allen is a shot maker. He's a guy that is changing the the dynamic of this off, offense, and B.J. Boston is not doing that right now. And until he can, like we saw with Devin Askew, why is it not the exact same scenario? It, it just makes it makes no sense to me whatsoever, and and it's it's frustrating. And and I, I think Cal Cal has has dug himself a very deep hole with. Um, you know, just how the season has gone. One to six, one and six start to the season, worse since 1926-27 season, since Basil Hayden was the head coach. We discussed that over and over again during that stretch. Um, they go on their three-game winning streak, but then lose back-to-back. The, the criticism was already going to come no matter what happened just because of the on-court performance. But it seems like every time Cal talks to the media or goes on his – his you know radio show or whatever the case is it seems like a guy that in the past has been so well spoken and just you know found a way to calm the nerves of of the fan base and always said the right things over and over again it just seems like it has been miss after miss after miss and every single time he misses in these 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 press conferences. He's just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's when we're getting the fire, Cal. Cal's his time's done here. You know, we start those start those criticisms start piling up over and over again because of of how he's coaching and what he's saying in these media opportunities. It it feels like he just can't help himself right now, and and it's it's just not a good sign for the future, Sean. It's not. He's a guy who has said the right thing 99% of the time that he's been at Kentucky. Even the stuff that's been criticized over the years from him, like the whole graduation night and everything, I, I still, at the root of it, it's always been the right thing. This year, he's 99% of the time said the wrong thing. It's it's so out of character. Like his His press conferences almost feel like, for someone to sit there yesterday and say if and, and say the whole line that if he starts listening to the people in the stands that he'll be one of them or he'll be in the stands, mm-hmm. this is a guy that I think is listening to people in the stands because I can sense the frustration. This this isn't. I mean, look at the stuff that he's had to come out with on social media and fire back at. You know, he's had to come out and tweet two or three or four different times this season because of a story going here about this or a story going here about that, and it's to the point that you're kind of seeing. John Calipari tried to do some damage control with it. And I don't ever remember John Calipari ever being a coach to do damage control about anything that was said about this program in the 12 years that he's been here, Jack. It's very concerning. Uh, I mean, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Like I just feel like that he sits down at every press conference and something he's saying doesn't make any sense at all. There was one quote today where he was talking about the number of made three point attempts or something like that. And he mentioned, he wishes that, Hey, if what, what was he said right here? Calipari said he wishes UK would have taken about 35 threes because we would have we would have hit three. They made four of 17 on, on 17 attempts today. What, what's it's he talking like, it's about? It's like he's not even watching the games that we are. Yeah, like no, uh, like what are like what are you talking about? Like yeah. that that just doesn't make sense. Like Kentucky fans want to go into these post game press conferences. Look, especially when they lose, they want to hear something from Cal that gives them hope. Yeah. And right now, there's nothing coming out of his mouth at all that gives him hope. It actually sends him the other direction because nothing that he says is making sense. And I'll also tell you this. I'm over the long-winded answers to avoid questions. Yeah. How many questions do we get on these Zoom press conferences now with him, Jack? Maybe Three, five if we're five. lucky. Yeah. 
because he gets long winded with it. And then when they say it's one last question, boom, he is up and out before he's finished speaking. Stop. Like I just stop running from it because I feel like that that is what's happening right now. And this isn't who he's been for 12 years, which is why I'm going to come back and I'm going to say this. He has done enough in his 11 to 12 years at Kentucky to have a bad one right now Mm -hmm. and for everyone to give it the benefit of the doubt that it will get better next year. But I'm watching it closely, and I think everybody else should too because as much as we talk about body language on this basketball team and with these guys, the body language from John Calipari hasn't been good as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair, and it was a lot easier – to go through a Nerlens Noel year and the start of the 2013-14 season with the you know the, the the team that lost practically every road SEC game and then ended up made, making the championship run that that Cal back back in in those days Cal had the you know, well, we're, we're still making Final Four runs. We're still doing this. We're still doing that. We still have that title. We, we just won a title a couple of years ago. Just trust trust us. Just trust the process. The process always wins out. Fans have now not seen a Final Four for Cal since 2015. And, no. and I think that level of frustration – on top of the bad quote after bad quote and the well, the horrendous play this season, the frustrations have have start have built up so much that that you're starting to get the reckless comments. Like, do I think Cal needs to get fired and that his you know he's his he's on the hot seat more than he's ever been? You know, all that stuff. No, I don't. I do not think Cal needs to get fired at all. But to say no. for the, but there's also the uh, the other side of the equation for people that say got to trust Cal, got to trust coach Cal. I think he has absolutely earned criticism this year more than any uh, any in his time at Kentucky. I think that this has been his u- has. his ugliest year as the the program's head coach. Blame that on what you want the with the COVID stuff and just how the season has gone, how difficult it has been to even put together a season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, th- there's going to be obvious adversities that come with with that. And and I don't blame him for that side of things. You know, I pr- I appreciate that they're even putting together a basketball season right now and making this happen. But he is not just, you know, it, he can't avoid criticism forever. At some point, no. I think the fan the fan outrage for things like this and some of the things he's saying it's deserved. It's it's. I, I think it's absolutely deserved. K- Kentucky is the story of college basketball every year, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Yeah, and and that's just how it is. And and this has happened not often, especially along these lines. I mean, we're into mid January and Kentucky has four wins. But also say this: there's a reason why the criticism has heated up around this team, and it's because John Calipari and you wrote it, Jack. Your screenshot has gone around for months now. John Calipari, preseason. The only thing that can stop this team is the coronavirus. Yeah. His words. Obviously, that's not true. Yeah. Right now. I mean, but those, but that, what did that line do? That line put a ton of expectations on this team being very, very good. When Cal does that, his teams are really good. Every time he comes out, and says something like that in the preseason, you know that you've got a team that's that's a, a Final Four run in them. The years where Cal has come out and said, "Hey, no, this is gonna this is gonna be going this way. You know, you need to have look. We're not gonna be very good." Shea Gilgis Alexander's year, he said it. 
Yeah. And that team struggled its way through, and then they, they made a run to the Sweet 16 at the end of the year and won the SEC tournament. This preseason, Cal did all that. The only thing stopped we got to play. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be good and all this stuff. And then he comes out a few days, a week before the season opener and says what? After that scrimmage that night at Rupp Arena. He got started it. pumping the brakes on it. I want to think, Jack, that the lack of up and down the floor, body-to-body contact, COVID-19 protocols, John Calipari's told us over and over again that he went overboard with some of the stuff he did in the preseason. I'm wondering if it gave him a false assessment of what this team was going to be. Because he came back right there and he was like, we may go on a losing streak here to start the year. We may lose all six of these games. And they almost did mm-hmm. right there at the beginning. They won one of the first five, and then they started one of six. It's That's the things that I'm talking about that are so out of character, is he put this team out there in a vulnerable situation, and then this then it happened. And then he tried to backtrack on it, and then it still happened. I, I just don't know. And then, you know, we had earlier this week, you know, he was talking about we we threw open the coffin, coffin, they threw the dirt on it and all this stuff. I said it on this podcast. I, I thought the team was coming together. I mean, you're still seeing some good stretches from some from some of these guys. Yeah. But also said that they were going to have some bumps along the road and they would revert. And right now, Kentucky does not have a star on this basketball team. This is a team that does not have a star. B.J. Boston's not a star. Olivier Saar is not a star. We had put a lot of emphasis on these guys being very, very good, but probably unfair honestly, of us, but that's what they were billed as. Calipari didn't back away from it. Heck, B.J. Boston said on the, the interview that one night on SEC Network he wanted to be the greatest basketball player to ever play. Yep. But it just – you set yourself up for criticism when it doesn't work out. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I'm, uh... But I will say this. If you want some positives from me, there are a lot of guys in this program right now that I really, really like. Yeah, I agree. I, with I like. That. I, I, do. I love Jacob Toppin's game. I said it before Mississippi State that he's the most important player in this program right now, and the reason being is because he doesn't care to fight. Yeah, sure, he does. A, he makes a stupid play every now and then, but you know who's going to have their nose in the right spot at the right time? Jacob Toppin. Yep. I like Lance Ware. I was glad to see him get some minutes today. Yeah, he missed that layup late in the game. That was a big miss shot. But I still like what he does. I love what Devin Askew's doing. For the first half, there was a 13-minute stretch where he had zeros across the board. Hadn't taken a shot, didn't have a turnover, didn't have assist, didn't have a rebound. But he played big boy basketball in the final two to three minutes of that game today. Yeah. And almost single-handedly pulled Kentucky back with it, back in it. Absolutely. But you're also seeing some issues with what Kentucky has with this roster right now, Jack. They don't have a guard that can get downhill and make an explosive play at the rim when they need a basket. Like, that's just not who Devin Askew and Davion Mintz are. They're good college basketball players, and Devin Askew is going to be a good, really good player at Kentucky, but they don't have that guy that can kind of bail them out when they're having bad offensive stretches right now. They're missing that. Like, tonight, when it was late in the game, things are going, you know, going the wrong way. In years past, you could point to a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You could point to a P.J. Washington, a Tyler Hero, the De'Aaron Fox. The list goes on and on. Who's going to go get you a bucket when things aren't going well? They don't have that guy right now on this team. Yeah. B.J. Boston was supposed to be that guy, and he's not. Terrence Clark was supposed to be that guy, and, and he's not. And I'll also say this about B.J. I mean, I think by now we can all say, look, what we thought he was going to be, he's not going to reach that this season. 
This is a guy, this is a kid, Jack, that I hope, I hope he comes back to Kentucky next season. I hope that he doesn't feel any of the outside pressure. I hope that the right people are in his ear because he's not an awful basketball player. I don't want anyone to think that he's horrible. Is he struggling? Yes. Has he missed a lot of open shots? Yes. I'm hoping that he sees a place at Kentucky, gets it figured out, and doesn't try to rush this thing and go to the NBA. Because, I mean, right, right now, he's, he's who's drafting him, Jack? If somebody does, it's off potential alone. But what potential are they seeing right now from what he's doing? He needs to be – he's a college basketball player in 2021-22, if, if, if that's what it needs to be. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was pretty telling that Sam Vicini, who – was one of the biggest pumpers of BJ Boston going into the season. Said he was a surefire superstar. One, he was one of us. He was among us uh, of the people that uh, hyped him up endlessly. And even tonight, after the game, he said, "All right, I think it's time. I think it's time for us to realize that BJ Boston is not a draftable player right now. He's not." And let me not put words in his mouth. I'm, I'm going to find the exact quote from him. Um, Real quickly, he said, also, it might be time to call it on B.J. Boston as a draft prospect just for now. Definitely worth keeping an eye on. Definitely a guy worth tracking, but he's just not there. Not giving up on him as a player forever, but he just doesn't look like a guy, a 2021 guy right now, and that's okay. My only concern, and it's a valid one because of where things were going into this year, is that he kind of talks himself into it and says, okay, yeah, I'm not I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. Uh, and then he goes back home this summer, and all the people that hyped him up as, as top five draft pick, top five draft, you know, the EJ Montgomery situation. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, there was a time that EJ was ready to come back for his junior year going to this year. He goes home after the season ends, and all those same people in his ear that told him originally that he was that he was a two, you know, no matter what this season, no matter how the season goes, you're a two and done. I, I'm worried that those same people are going to creep back in, and the same voices and and the, the same build up. Oh well, you just weren't used right. Uh, Cal killed your confidence. Kentucky wasn't a good fit. I, I'm just I'm terrified that it's going to be one of those situations that we never get to see what BJ Boston can actually be at Kentucky because he has shown so many yeah. little tiny small windows of of fantastic play that make you go there why can't we just get that every time you're on the floor why can't this be a consistent theme you know that that one stretch during that North Carolina game where he was just the, the, at the end of the first half where he was just hitting shot after shot that's what we saw out of him in high school that's what we all hyped him up to be and then it just for whatever reason it just fizzles out it just dies and I, I'm just worried that people are going to you know he, he's going to revert back to that mindset and go you know what uh, just Kentucky wasn't the fit for me. I'm going to see if if the NBA is a better option. If I can work out, you know, my own thing in the in the G League. Cal is never going to be one to to send the guy off and say you're not welcome back. But I hope I hope Cal has a very brutally honest conversation with BJ and says, look, if you come back, you can get back to that top five draft draft board that you were before. If not, you you know, it's going to be a long G League filled journey for you. Yeah, this is kind of this is a roster where John Calipari needs to sit down and say, "Hey, it doesn't need to be the whole. These guys make their own decision in the end. There needs to be some force here coming, saying, look, you need to come back to college.' 
that's what I'm hoping John Calipari does with a lot of these guys. But, you know, back to what you're talking about, BJ, you know, and outside forces and whoever ends up in his ear down the stretch. I mean, I don't have kids, but don't we all think that our kids are the greatest thing ever? I mean, <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what most parents would do. I mean, my mom still this day probably thinks I'm the greatest basketball player ever. And if I was about to play one-on-one with Michael Jordan, she probably thinks I'd beat him. <laughs> she's crazy. But that's probably what she would think just because she's my mom. She's my biggest fan. But I, I'm just saying, like, it, don't do these kids a disservice. Right. This is a huge decision for B.J. Boston. This is a huge moment in his life and what he's wanting to do with his basketball career. Regardless of how this thing goes down the stretch, I'm hoping that there's no pressure to make it to force a decision because right now he's got a spot at Kentucky as, as long as he wants to be there. You know that. Yeah. John Calipari is not going to do anything with that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to follow and see what happens. I, I know this hasn't been a positive podcast, but sometimes <laughs> we just need to call it like it is, Jack. We've we've uh, definitely sung the praises and we've criticized when it was time to criticize. And this is certainly a day where it's time to criticize. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, let us talk about our friends at UKFCU. Owning your home has its advantages. If you need to draw on your home's equity, UK Federal Credit Union is offering a fixed home equity loan with rates as low as 2.74% APR. Whether you're fixing the roof, making home improvements, or need extra funds to send your child to college, a home equity loan with UKFCU can help. UK Federal Credit Union, it's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. All righty. And with that, we will get the heck out of here. Um, I'm sorry we couldn't be more positive and uplifting, but we are uh, playing the cards that we have been dealt uh, as a uh, as a collective unit. Kentucky fans, Kentucky media, we are uh, just just trying our best to get through this together because, yeah, it's it's been a rough day and a rough week. And um, it's, it's time to, it's, it's time to get over it. So we'll, we, uh, we appreciate you guys listening as always, Sean, I appreciate you for joining as always. Great stuff. Uh, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBB country and hopefully better days are ahead. Hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you there.